And welcome guys to episode 22 of the Garage Athlete Show. We have a special guest on today in Chris Billingham, who is the founder of Muscle Squad, um, who's a British manufacturing company in the well in the UK, making loads of different bits of kit, which with us kind of just heading back into lockdown, I think it's gonna be very interesting to run through kind of like your story and um, where you are now. I've just had a a, uh, <laughs> a message from Dan, his computer has just crashed. So um, we will get started and we'll see what happens with Dan. So. I'll hand it over to you, Chris, if you want to kind of like introduce yourself, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you end up in uh, equipment manufacturing and where your business is now and where you want it to be then in the future? Yeah, sure. So for, for, for me, it all kind of started, my, my, my career is kind of just um, uh, left school at 16 and had to get a job straight away. So just a, there isn't some miracle sort of, you know, education story in there. It's just, it's, it's trading and stuff like that. Um, I went to, um, I ended up getting a job at Argos. So I'm from Milton Keynes. Their head office is in Milton Keynes. So I got a head office, uh, got a head office job there working in their, in their trading department. Um, and you know, just very sort of entry level, uh, position within one of the buying teams I actually started within bedding and textiles, you know, really exciting area. <laughs> um, and then moved to the even more exciting area of storage. Um, and that was probably, you know, about 15 years ago or so. And then probably about 13 years, I had the opportunity to be sort of promoted up to be an assistant buyer within the sports category. And ultimately that's where I stayed. So I stayed in the, in that sports category for about 10 years. Um, and worked up to sort of be head of category. So sort of owned all of that sports and leisure area. Uh, and that included sort of, you know, everything you can think of which Argos would have sold. So yeah, hex dumbbells, neoprene dumbbells, treadmills, um, home gyms, obviously the home gyms, which they sell are your traditional sort of multi-station large gyms with the kind of the pet deck and, and everything like that um, to Fitbits. So while I was there, Fitbits became all of the rage and just, you know, went through the roof in terms of uh, sales growth um, and then other, other side of things. So sort of, you know, garden leisure games or bicycles and, and everything. So it was a real mishmash of, of, of categories. And ultimately what, while I was there, I just spent um, probably around six weeks of the year in China uh, sourcing products or, or developing products. So in sort of my period of time, while I was at the, the, the head of category there, um, we took, uh, own brands which were pro power at the time we've kind of we rebranded them and 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 sort of you know gave that a new lease of life i also introduced the davina mccall fitness range and the men's health fitness range as well at the same time and how that works is is they um those those davina and and, and men's health license out the opportunity for people to manufacture their goods and they come to the people like us at argos uh, and then we come back to them and say right you know we could have a real sort of differentiation in our range here if um if, if we have your product come in so within as a buyer you're always looking at sort of a good better and best in order to try and attract different price points and different products and with say for example men's health it gave additional credibility to certain products which were in the range which allowed us to to further develop the product range so for example with with 
pro power, it would be sort of a one inch um, home use barbell set with either vinyl or cast plates. But with men's health, we could still do the, the, the cast iron stuff, but we could move up to Olympic as well. So, you know, we introduced Olympic barbells or Olympics hex um, weight plates and, and um, hex dumbbells and all of this sort of stuff. And that all came in under the men's health range. Also cables. We never had a cable machine before, but with men's health, it gave us the credibility to be able to put those cable machines in. And they were kind of involved in the marketing as well. So, you know, they would put 10 different ways that you could use uh, the cable machine, for example. Uh, so yeah, we had this cable crossover machine and, and it was just all about that, trying to reach a new customer and educate them on, on how, to, how to use fitness. And this was, you know, the strategy from the start. So um, I had this sort of wealth of experience of design and developing products. And then all of a sudden I just, I hit a wall where I just was, I just got fed up of, working for somebody else if, if that makes sense like i um putting all this work in and then it's the shareholders that get all the profits at the end of the day isn't it yeah, yeah exactly and it's just such a big machine and and you know there's a good community there and stuff like that but being a this sounds really strange but being a bio is a real funny position it's a real funny job to have because everybody wants to be your friend all of your manufacturers to buy their product all of the brands they want you to buy their product instead of somebody else's product so um you know during my time there it was like do you want to come to this football game do you want to go to this football game do you want to come have dinner in this restaurant you fly business class around the world to go to you know to go to china etc all funded by the company so you you basically you get to this position where you, you live a life that isn't necessarily yours because if you lost your job the next day you're you're not going to be able to do all those things and and people and it's really super fickle i mean you know when when i left argos i had people who would call me up weekly suppliers where we talk you know about football and stuff like that or and it just all went cold like no like no one's really interested once you left so i got to this point in my career it's like i i don't want if i want to go to a football game i want to go with my dad or I want to go with my girlfriend because it's on my terms and I want to go, not because someone's trying to win business or something along those sort of lines. And I just wanted to walk away from it all. So I just, I'd, I'd had enough. And that was the point where I kind of handed my notice in um, with nowhere to go, actually, to be honest. You know, it was quite a good, well-paid job, um, but I know I wanted more. And, um, and that's where kind of everything started. So... At that point, you've just handed your notice in. Your missus is probably spitting feathers because you've just <laughs> walked away from a really, really well-paid job. Did you have any idea? Like, did you have the idea of running a business in your head? Did you know where you wanted to go? Was it just, you know what, I've had enough of this. Like, I just want to go do something different. Yeah, and, and, and it's a real funny thing. So there's, I'll, I'll go into the two scariest things of, of setting up your own business. So... The second scariest thing is leaving, handing your notice and leaving a secure job with nowhere to go. That was, you know, that was quite nerve wracking when I, when I first did that. The second, well, the most scariest thing though, is then to take your savings and your money that you've got saved up, et cetera, and then invest it and back it behind what you want to try and do and trying to achieve. And that was by far the, the worst sort of feeling around, you know, I've got this, feeling that I'm in the right thing. But in the old days, you just, you're spending Argus's cash, Argus's money on, on a new concept or a new idea. It was, you know, I had a, a buying budget of about 150 million pounds while I was there and you could buy whatever you want as long as it went through the approval process. 
Um, and then to then go away from that and then to take sort of 12,000 pounds of your own savings to back that behind an idea is, is the second scariest thing. So, but there's a bit of a twist really, to be, to be honest, on what happened, which is I left Argos and then ultimately I, I went back as a consultant for a couple of days a week. A um, couple of reasons why. So for example, in my old Argos contract, if I remain full time, any IP or anything I come up with from a creative point of view is owned by Argos. So if I break that contract and come back, then it, then it doesn't fall under the same uh, issue. So I can, I can come up with ideas, brands, et cetera, and start working from that. Um, and then I spent a bit of time, like I say, doing this consulting work, which is actually, um, which I did for, with Argos for a little bit. And then I went into um, the private equity sector where uh, I look at businesses who are being bought and sold and, and advise them in terms of if it's a good business or not, or, you know, what's their capability and stuff like that. So that's kind of all sort of quite boring stuff. Um, but right, ultimately what it allowed me to do was to create musclesquad.com. So, and, and that's where probably back in uh, mid, Jan uh, mid 2017, the business was sort of founded and formed. Um, ultimately, as a bit of a hobby, I think because like, cause I've bought and sold stuff my entire life, it's a bit of a drug and I missed that connection with having customers. So, yeah. you know, buying something and then selling it for a little bit more, I, I missed that connection and I wanted to try and bring it back. And, and that's how Muscle Squad started. Very small, okay. you know, a, well, a small sort I, of investment into it. I think me and Dan can both empathize with the fear that comes when you go from having a nice stable paycheck, paid holidays, sick pay, to going and working for yourself. Um, I know for me, there, there wasn't really much choice because for me, it was about childcare. But we're in service-based industries. So it's not like we are taking 10, 12, 15 grand of our own money and putting it on proof of concept. The worst thing that can happen to me is all my clients leave tomorrow and I go, okay, I've got no revenue coming in. I'll have to go get a job. It's not yeah. like I've spent all my savings on equipment and then if that just sits there and doesn't sell that's like oh so i can see that yeah. being a uh, yeah a whole different level of stress and i think that's the difference between having a service-based in a service-based business to a product-based business um is obviously those levels of risk and stuff and that's what kind of people don't understand with everything that's going on at the moment you guys as businesses you have to outlay to get equipment in and get it shipped across so if you sell out it's not just like you can go down the local like scrapyard and get more made up it, there's a there's a supply chain that's kind of involved in there and i think with today's 24-hour amazon um society people aren't used to waiting so what's it been like kind of like so you said you were founded in 2017 so how have things kind of progressed over the last three years? Obviously, you've had a yeah. boom in demand recently. Like, was it just you to start off with with that, with your laptop kind of, as you said, buying bits and then kind of selling it on? And how has it expanded from there? Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's sort of super interesting when you look at the story and you, and you look at it. So I think the first things to sort of say is because I've I still sort of continue to do the consulting work, that's always been where I've, you know, I, I, I'm lucky in that I have that as an option in order to sort of pay 
my my bills etc so i whenever anyone asks about how it sort of all started i i always consist like consistently say it, it started off as a hobby and it goes back to that that piece around just wanting to buy and sell stuff um and you see that in the revenue numbers because there's no way this month like this business was making any money from from when it first started um and, and an example of that is so the first container of goods arrived in um in january 2018 and that's basically when we made our first active sort of trade um and it was just vinyl filled kettlebells and dumbbells so the, if you go through sort of product hierarchy, just in case for those that don't know, vinyl is the terminology that we use for um, uh, basically pieces of plastic, which then are filled with a sand cement mixture. Sometimes it's got an element of iron sand within there as well in order to increase the density of the material and then decrease the size. So that's when, for example, you see someone with a 16 kg kettlebell and it's like this big. Yeah. It's because it's, it's filled with literally almost just cement. And, th and then you get wait, a little wait, bit. We all started with from Argos, right? Yeah, which everyone started from with Argos, yeah. Everyone started with Argos. I remember at 13 Argos, buying my first dumbbell set with my pocket money. And yeah, I've still got them in the garage, actually, the vinyl thing, vinyl filled dumbbells and everything. But yeah, yeah said, like, they're, they're the ones you first start out with, with the little paper chart of all the basic exercises to do in your bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've still got yeah the vinyl York Sandfield ones absolutely <laughs> yeah 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 so Quite so they're just kind of they're filled with that sand cement mixture um, they get shipped over then you go up to cast and then you've got obviously rubberized neoprene coatings over the metal um, PU polyurethane coatings over the over the material as well and you're kind of you're going up through the through the hierarchy so I started like literally down at the bottom and opened the website and nothing happens. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and, and, and that was kind of the first realization. It was, you know, you have to market to customers in order to, to, to get business. Sounds like being no one, no well. one, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one, and this is kind of, you know, naive of me because obviously, you know, I sit there and I look at the numbers which Argos would be selling and I'd be like, how can I not even just get half a percent of that, you know? But the truth is no one cares about the fact that I used to be the buyer there and I used to do, you know, I used to know exactly what I'm doing. The brand just isn't out there. There's no sort of, there's not, there was nothing really kind of, there to try and push the products. So again, how most businesses would start, we just keep it local really, to be honest. So um, build up sort of, you know, Facebook buy and sell was coming through at the time um, in the gym community that I was in selling to them. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. Um, and, but we did, I didn't really have much of a clue. I just had, I paid for a, a bit of space within a warehouse um, and, and just kind of, had this container rocker and then three people helped me unload it. I've still got the picture from on my Instagram of me sitting on the back of the container for the first one. Um, and, ah, oh, what a, you know, what a mess. It was the kind of the, the first sort of issues were almost immediate. So the factory that I'd used had changed the packaging methods, which were, which weren't, you know, which we had agreed. And it was naive of me to think that I could sort of trust an old factory that I used to work with, but ultimately I, I couldn't, um, they did their own pre-shipment inspection, but um, I should have gone for a third party one and just lots of learning curves on the first container, which is good. It was a cheap one. So um, not really a massive expensive mistake to make, just quite time consuming. So, you know, one of the most important things with weights, and we've seen this within the group, is that if there's any form of movement in the box with a dumbbell, it will just blow out the side of the box. And, you know, we've all seen images where the, the product arrives almost sort of quite badly damaged. Um, 
and on this first shipment back in January 2018, it was a pack of uh, six dumbbells, a 246 sort of vinyl dumbbell set, and they just stacked all of the dumbbells on the ends. Um, and they hadn't sort of wrapped them in any bubble wrap protection layer or anything like that. And we had to rework every single one when we sold it. Um, the second sort of mistake that I made is the warehouse was 20 miles away from where, where, I, where I lived. So it was kind of like a long drag to get down there um, to do it. So, you know, we started fixing all of this, moved the warehouse up to Milton Keynes where I am, um, uh, put in pre-shipment inspections and just started kind of going from there. Now, the business itself never really dramatically changed. Um, it was just, it kind of hovered around, um, I suppose we can talk numbers, like five to 10,000 pounds a month. And, but again, that was all okay. The, the work that I was doing in the consulting area was about digital businesses. So for me, you know, I built the website. The website is still the original version that I built myself. Um, uh, with a little few little add-ons and bits and pieces that we've now added on. But, you know, ultimately that it's still kind of the same website. Um, and again, I, I did it because I just wanted to test myself that I could do it. The marketing campaigns, I, you know, the Facebook campaigns, et cetera, are, are still the ones that I built. And these are, this is all sort of stuff which goes with the consulting work on, on, um, on what we look at. So it just, it added a little bit of credibility to that. Um, so that's kind of, that's how, but the, I suppose the way you can look at it, it was always really good sort of roots in the business, which is we focused on customers and we, we wanted to focus on community. Um, and by that, you know, I, our view or sort of my vision is that when you buy a piece of fitness equipment from me, you're doing it for a reason. So it's not just a box with a dumbbell in my view or my world. It's, it's the first step that you're taking to, you know, to improve your physique. And that's, that's what we want. So, you know, as soon as a customer buys something, we can try to sort of send them some more content, et cetera. And we've got some bigger plans in the pipeline in terms of how we deliver this message. Um, but we want customers to sort of feel engaged. We want customers to know that they're sort of, they're getting a fair price. We want customers to know that um, uh, they can come back to us, they can speak with us and they can engage with us on sort of anything that they've got. We have a team of PTs that within the Milton Keynes area that I kind of, I will use in order to sort of engage and get advice from. Um, and, you know, those guys are available for sort of all of our customers to sort of engage with. And I think that's, that's the difference really. We don't believe in just kind of, shipping a product and shipping a box we we're, we're there to kind of support and care and i think that's the message that we carried through and then when covid set in first time and this is the big catalyst for the business where it kind of you know the revenue increases 10 20 times the previous levels um we didn't increase our prices and that's that's the thing that that has made the business so we don't really spend anything on marketing still um because we focus on the community and we want to be part of that community. So when, when COVID happened and we just saw prices just going through the roof, we were like, well, I say we, it's me and my girlfriend. We're just like, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're going like, we're happy with the margins that we make. We were happy with them say on the 27th of November when lockdown comes in on the 10th of March or whatever. Why, why are we now not happy with them? They're, 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 they were fine. Like I could make more money, but we care and we want customers to get, fit we don't want them to sort of be be robbed of you know you know by profiteering etc so we, we held the prices and then that's where the brand sort of just started spreading like wildfire um and i think that was the best marketing marketing decision that we made and it goes back to the fact that we're not necessarily 
it sounds terrible, but like it, it goes back to, it's, it's still a hobby business. I've never sort of taken a penny out of the business. It's, it's always just kind of reinvested what comes in into new equipment. So, you know, if you go back to the story, we started with vinyl kettlebells, which were 30 pounds. Then we moved up to the neoprene um, dumbbells, you know, the same, you know, the same sort, but in a cast iron with neoprene finish, they're 60 pounds. Then we moved up to rubber round dumbbells and hex dumbbells and, and, you know, the baskets there where customers were sort of ordering three or four. So, you know, 150 to 200 pounds. Then we moved it to Olympic weights, Olympic plates. Um, and it just kind of, you know, we take the money, we invest it, we put it back into new product and we, we try the best we can to, to, to keep the pricing honest. And, and that's, that's, that's what we do. I think I'm just looking at a couple of, I've got your website up now and I'm looking at quite a few and some of the, you know, a lot of the gear that's up there, you know, for example, I think yours 25 kilo dumbbell sets, 34 pounds, which is what you were paying pre COVID. It's, it's a great price. And what I really liked you did the other day was I think you caught someone maybe buying 10 pairs or something yeah. and you canceled it straight away, which I love that. I think that's a great thing to do from your company. And that's certainly something, you know, I would share in passing to anyone looking for equipment. I mean, especially as, you know, uh, people training at home who have no idea what to buy. Do they necessarily need to go out and buy an Alico calibrated set? No. So the fact there's dumbbells up here for, you know, a great price, what it should be of going out to buy things, the options there. I mean, obviously, I think you've probably sold most of them now. And it's hard to in, but it's good. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I, I might be jumping on this website as soon as we finish this uh, <laughs> podcast because I'm, I'm in need of my stepson has just decided he wants to start weight training and he's nabbed my bloody dumbbells, but... Uh, how, yeah. how old is he? 16. Yeah. But he's, he's one of these kids where, even though I'm a personal trainer, because I'm his stepdad, he won't ask me for help. He will just take my shit <laughs> and <laughs> move it. And then I was in a PT session with somebody the other day. I was like, where are my five kilo dumbbells? Like, I'm searching yeah. all around the gym. And I was like okay, we're just going to have to do something else. And then I came inside and he's got them in his bedroom. And I'm like, I don't mind. I'm, I'm, he can have those. I'm just going to buy another set and just not tell him about them. <laughs> so yeah, as I said, I might be making an investment. It's <laughs> actually really interesting that I've had the, the amount of customer queries that we get come through nowadays, which is my son wants to train or my son wants to do this. And that like, it, it's a real... It, real sketchy one because you know the first question i will ask is how old and yeah. you know they start from like 11 and 12 and i'm just it's not you know that's super risky to be to be you know buying weight sets for for yeah, the children of that age i think it's because it's good you see some of these kids on the internet from like russia and china and stuff like that doing amazing things and i'm like one in a billion though that's the problem yeah exactly but my my gripe with it is almost it sounds a bit harsh but no one cares what you do when you're 11 years old it's what you do when you're older so yes you probably will be this amazing lifter when you're 10 or 11 because you're the only one doing it but b you're going to be burnt out by the time you know you very rarely hear of these young kids becoming amazing athletes they always burn out you see, you see it happening in sport all the time so I'm kind of, I'm, yeah. I'm very much of the opinion, yeah, when they're really young, go out and do, run around, but play a sport. I mean, the way it's just cool. I mean, I started when I was like 15, 16. I think that, that, that was old enough. Like, that was fine. But, you know, you didn't really know what you're doing. You just, like you say, use those, um, the York. Your Argos dumbbells, that kind of stuff. And that, that was fine. But, you know, I think it, it's definitely an thing um, with, uh, you know, seeing videos of kids doing some crazy stuff. I think sometimes it's like, yes, they can do that, but doesn't necessarily mean they they should there's there's other stuff to be doing 
They are, they're not they're not fully growing at that point. They're not in full um, you know, yeah, it's just very yeah, yeah. stage and like eleven and twelve. It's it's it, it's just it's yeah, it's one of those kind of grey areas, isn't it? Because I know my ten year old wants to come into the gym and be with us. Yeah. So if they're getting kind of proper coaching and proper technique work, as long as kind and of the load is really light, yeah. then I'm of the opinion I'd rather be in here and showing him how to do it right mm. than him sneaking here when I'm not here and hurt himself sort of thing. But yeah, I don't agree with like kids like loading up on like a deadlift and doing six well over their own body weight and deadlifts and squats and doing all that spinal compression stuff. Should they be doing like box jumps and yeah. running around, climbing on stuff? Yeah, of course they should. Like kids need to be kids. Like yeah. there's so many of them just sat in front of an Xbox nowadays um, that actually the small minority that kind of want to get involved with health and fitness. And I think it's it's more about the education side of the parents about well, what can my kids do that is safe that isn't going to impact on their growth and isn't going to as you said make them burn out by the time they're in their kind of like early 20s as you said there's all these like young athletes like you get the odd like tiger woods or serena williams that comes through that's as you said one in a billion where's all the ones that have burnt out kind of by that stage and never want to do exercise again because their parent was pushing them to do sets of 100 push-ups or like 50 yeah i mean the first question we always ask is why yeah so does he does he is it does he play football does he want to be stronger at football so and then even then it's like we it's you know we on we're passed on to the pts and we and and we're asking the questions about so like is he thinking about like you know his core and his legs ultimately because in football that you know at that age if they're thinking that they want to be muscular like uh ronaldo well then you know Firstly, you're not going to be able to do that, but there's exercises that you can do either with weight. And, and we sometimes it will just be where we won't even try to sell them anything. We'll just give them the advice. But maybe weights aren't the right answer yet, yeah. but here's a plethora of things that you can do, which you know the PTs do with their clients, which are fun ways to engage with sports, body weight assisted stuff that isn't necessarily sort of damage him and also kind of sets him up right for maybe when he starts to hit 13, 14, 15, 16, He's got some fundamentals about what he's doing, but ultimately, you know, like I say, if he plays rugby or he plays football or whatever, like start that coaching through there, you can turn quicker, run faster, uh, and I lean on someone. That's the difference by the sounds of it about your ethos as a company. It's not, as you said, it's not about making the sale. It's not about being massively profitable. This isn't kind of like your main job which means you can focus on building the community building the quality and making sure that the customer is put first which is yeah. probably what's ultimately going to make you into a big business is that it's customer first the ones that are the flash in the pan businesses are all these mom and pops that have literally put a grand or two into buying a load of stuff from china yeah. they get shipped over here they sell it on facebook marketplace to make a quick profit but they don't care the quality will be crap because they won't know what they're doing sourcing it. And as soon as demand comes back down to normal levels, people won't be buying from those type of people. The only reason that they're buying from them at the moment is there isn't anywhere else to go. 
So I think thinking like that is a long-term success yeah. principle. That means your business will probably be around for the long and, term. And, it, and it's really tough seeing all of that fresh competition. And I think because like, we don't, we don't, we don't bum fight anymore in sort of CrossFit buy and sell or powerlifting buy and sell or, um, you know, we like, I think we've got enough customers within there now that are pleased with our service and pleased with what we've done that they can kind of do that word of mouth stuff for us. Um, but the, the amount of competition now, which is just cropped up out of nowhere is just incredible. And, you know, the, the pricing as well, uh, I think, you know, we, we're running, I can't remember, 25 kilo hex dumbbells that say 120 and, and the average price out there is sort of 150, 160. Um, yeah, it's... It, <laughs> That's if you're looking. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd love to know, are they just solely profiteering? Do they not have a stable supply chain? Um, because the, the, the Chinese manufacturers will, if they sense any form of weakness or not understanding of the product or how it's made or how it's manufactured or the raw material that goes in there they'll take you for a ride so you know maybe my margins are greater at the price that i operate than some of these guys who are selling at the prices that they're operating also how is the supply chain set up etc you know i've got all of this sort of infrastructure from argos that i kind of i can adapt into my business to make sure that you know the rates and every, how the business operates is is as clean as it possibly can be um, well, how, how does it work? Because like uh, uh, we had, a, I think Steve from Primal commented on something in the group once. Um, what comes was uh, all hex dumbbells are the same; they're all from the same factories in China. But I think it was you and Steve sort of commented on like it really isn't. Like you really need to, uh, yeah. it's really not. So what what I'd, what I'd love it is if, if you could maybe go into that a bit more detail because you know yeah. from you see it happen especially in the American group as well in our group. Uh, it's all from the same faction in China. It's all the same. It's all the same. All the same. But from you know say from someone like yourself who supplies it, saying it really isn't like. Could you tell us a bit more of the story behind, you know, why you get it from certain factories, what to, you know, what you look out for, how does it all work? You know, I think you mentioned something about materials use and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So ultimately there's a couple of things you're looking for. One is again, in, in Asia, factories are popping up as quickly as a PPE factory is popping up. So you, you, that existing relationship is always great. And, and that kind of comes into play when, um, you know, your orders get a little bit prioritized if you're you were there pre-covid let's you know let's be honest um you've then got sort of the so how the product's made so um there's a couple of different ways in which it's made you've got the handle there's a couple of different types of handles out there um they can be made out of cast iron or steel uh steel's slightly more expensive um but you can buy that product at a shorter lead time because everybody's sapping up all of the cast iron sort of handles that they've got in the middle at the minute. Um, then how that product is either sort of welded or pressed into the, into the head. So you have the handle, it's, it, it's welded into uh, the two ends of the, the two heads of the dumbbell and secured in place. And then it's encased within a rubber. That rubber is important because you don't know what's in it or where it's coming from or what the chemical buildup is with that rubber. So if you're buying from your existing factory, and the factories that we buy from, they have to adhere to sort of, well, I'll come on to a little bit more detail, but MuscleSquad.com isn't the only sort of part of the business that we do. We sell to Sports Direct and Amazon as well. So we have to adhere to quite high technical and social and ethical standards when it comes to sourcing from factories. So 
part of that then comes, you know, what is the rubber that they're putting in? Is it virgin rubber? Is it recycled rubber? If it was, you know, if it's, re if, if they're using recycled rubber, how do you get, you know, how do you know what's in there? How are you getting that chemically tested that there's nothing bad within there? And these are all the questions that you have to ask. Um, you know, it doesn't all come from one factory. The molds all look the same and the handles, like I say, there's, you know, there's four or five different variants. Um, uh, but the, how that product's made, the, the, the standards it goes through, how they look after and treat their employees, that's all different. It all flexes. Um, so and when you say like the chemical makeup of the rubber, is that like... EU standards in terms of like what's safe or is that like how durable the product is then going to be? It's, would it have an effect it, on its life? Yeah, it would be, it would be sort of EN technic, like um, we have sort of reach tests, it's called a reach test and that's looking at the parts per million of sort of some bad chemicals, which right, shouldn't okay. be in there, you know, lead, mercury, stuff like that. Now, even those materials in any products. So you look at the parts per million in which it needs to adhere to. I don't know off the top of my head what those are, um, but you know, you it's it's better to be able to sleep well at night knowing that you've got those tests in place in order to sort of protect the products. Ultimately, how the product performs is probably going to be. There's not going to be much in it, but again, you can kind of feel confident as a customer that you're buying from a business which is trying to do the right thing. Um, you know, trying to, you know, again, we pay our taxes. So even our prices, for example, look, we're smashing people on prices who are just starting up. And I've got, as soon as if you think about sort of a hundred pound dumbbell, eight, 20 quid of that goes straight to the Batman. You know, like that's, you know, you've got to think about it that way as well. And we've got corporation taxes to pay, or, you know, VAT, everything. Um, versus sort of all this pop-up competition where just, you know, you, you don't know what you're buying, where it's coming from, et cetera. Um, are they registered as a limited company? Are they registered so as a limited company? You can, can send them a few hundred quid and next week they could disappear because are they are they a real company? Do you have any sort of uh, guarantees that they're going to be able to deliver, especially if they're doing like a pre-order or whatever? So, yeah, I think it, would, it there is a warning out there too that there is a lot of like cowboy blooming manufacturers and stuff out there that could just take your money and run. Whereas yeah. somebody at a company that's been established for a little bit longer, you've just got a little bit more of a reassurance that you are not just handing your money over to a con man. Yeah. And, and I mean, you guys should like check us out on uh, our trust pilot score as well, because like we get a lot of that feedback, never heard of them before, but looked at trust pilot, saw everything was okay. And you, you know, we offer opportunities to pay, pay via PayPal as well, which is like one of the most secure ways of paying. Um, and that's kind of the advice that, you know, I would give to people, which is just don't do bank transfers on anything. If you're buying from a, either like a small startup or someone who on pre-order that hasn't necessarily sold anything, you know, if, if the opportunity is there and you can buy something and it's going to come in, it's going to be there before it comes from a sort of reputable seller, give it a go. But like I say, make sure you've got that protection in place and, and PayPal is one of those places to do it. And then obviously this, the, the, the second piece of advice to do that is even if they tell you to market as friends and family, market as a business. Cause if you market as friends and family, you haven't got the same protection. Um, and obviously the reason why they do that is as the, as the seller, you would lose a bit more of a commission um, when that money comes in. So if you send a hundred pounds, you may only receive 96 pounds because 4% goes to uh, PayPal if it's a business to business transaction. Um, 
So yeah, yeah people are being funny about that. An easy way around that is to offer to pay the four percent that they'd be losing out on. Yeah. Yes. To get the extra protection. So as you said, if it was a hundred pounds and they were um and ah, so they're going to lose a little bit. You offer to pay the extra five pounds to get those protections because then even if you can't get a refund through the business. You can always get a refund through PayPal and then PayPal end up chasing that business for that money back because yeah. they have a lot of lawyers and they can do that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. They'll make whoever the seller is a misery. Yeah, they're like yeah. a misery. So. Yeah, it just seems sad that of course it's going it, to, it's popped up a lot. We've actually had a bit of trouble with um, a website in the group that was promising the world. Yeah, yeah, all the stuff's coming in, the stuff's coming in, but it was just story after story after story after no sell no reply to emails having to run through a thousand different obstacles and hoops to get a refund or not getting a refund at all in some space and it's just like wow someone's really jumped on the uh you know the covid train here to make a quick buck and it's it's a bit sad but you know i think a, a few yeah. people have done by these illegitimate companies popping up which is a bit of a shame so i mean yeah got some good points in there to um help potentially protect people but i think trust pilots a good good one there i think that's an important one yeah to always read so yeah if you are buying equipment from an, a company you've never heard of make sure to go and read the reviews and read quite a lot of them so a lot of these pop-up companies you can pay companies <laughs> now to provide you with reviews so one thing i always do is i'll read through say like 10 reviews and i'll copy and paste two or three of them into google itself because what happens is these companies that pay for reviews they sell those reviews to lots and lots of different companies so if you just copy and paste it into google what you'll find is the review the exact same review pops up on about 10 different companies products because it has been sold somebody's paid and yeah. a company that is doing a good job does not need to pay to get reviews they just ask their customers to go and do reviews and if they've done a good job their customers are most, customers are always happy to go and give them a good review yeah so, so we use we use trustpilot um three days after the there's like an automated system the customer when the customer receives their dispatch notification that then puts it into a queue with trustpilot where after three days they get sent an email saying how did muscle squad do um and generally speaking it comes back five star so that's uh that's what we try to do i think um the, the pre-order one's a really interesting one. And, um, you know, our, our policy is we don't do a pre-order until it's shipped. So once it's on the water and once it's on its way here, then we will open up, I think, Dan again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. When, when, when it's on the water, when it's on its way here, that's when we open up pre-orders and probably about three to four weeks before, before it arrives. Um, and then, and the reason why you do that is, you know, it's loaded, you've got confirmation of exactly what is on that container, you know, everything's coming in, etc. Um, there's lots of sort of commercial contracts, which exchange at that point in time, I pay for all of the goods, etc. Uh, it's all now mine, I own it, it's just on a boat in the middle of the, the Gulf of, and, you know, um, uh, so, and that's when we open up pre-orders. And the reason we do that is that the you just cannot guarantee how, what is going on in the factories at this moment in time. So your order, which was meant to ship at the end of October overnight could then be shipping at the end of November, but you've already promised customers in November and there's nothing you can do and you've got their money. So in order to avoid that, we only do pre-orders once, once we've got the date that it's due into the country. 
think that's that's a smart move because as you said it's it's one of those things where it's better to under promise and over deliver so if you say to somebody when it's on the water that right it's going to take six weeks but you can get it there in like five and a half they'll be ecstatic however if you say it's going to be six weeks and it takes six weeks in a day they're going to be pissed off because you've set the expectation even though it's only a day late with all the problems that are going on in the system i think by as you said not putting out the pre-orders until you can give a pretty clear estimate of kind of when it's going to get there it's just smart the amount of people i've known go off businesses because they've said it's going to get here on this day and it doesn't like i don't know about you uh, dan but i'm a member of oh the American home gyms group as well. And loads of people are raging about Rogue in there at the moment because they are really, really bad for over-promising and under-delivering just because, again, they just can't keep up with demand. And that's a, a big name with multiple like sponsorships of big, big athletes. And they're, they're losing a lot of customers because of over-promising and kind of like under-delivering. So what's kind of your thoughts about gyms and how the fitness industry is going to change like after this period do you think more people are going to invest in home gyms they won't kind of go back to facilities like do you think it's going to be kind of almost the death of like the big commercial gyms that aren't bothered about building a community i think it's going to be really tough for them i I cannot compute in my head like how much their rents, et cetera, must, must be. Um, and, you know, if you look at, say, for example, the size of our local David Lloyd, where it's got 18 tennis courts and a massive gym and a massive swimming pool, um, huge car park, et cetera, that's, that's just not, that's just, that's quite expensive to, to, to run and operate. And then you look at the likes of maybe some of the smaller ones might survive. I think a real interesting one for me and, and, what we've seen a lot of and what I love is the growth of what I kind of call like the, 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 the micro gym. So people setting up in just sort of a 600 or 800 square foot space, keeping clients relatively low, but managing to cover in their own overheads, sort of owner operated PTs um, within there, um, charging super reasonable PT rates or rent space for people to bring clients in, et cetera. And I think customers are lapping it up. They, they like the fact that it's a much more one-on-one service. Um, I, you know, PTs in my head are just, there's so much content and material in their head that I think what's happened as we've gone through this sort of this whole Zoom generation and change, the user, the end user, the customer is starting to understand that just rocking up to the gym isn't maybe suited to them and, you know, doing what they ever they do versus you know where they've had insight now in terms of someone doing a class on because it was the only option that they had to do a kettlebell class on zoom or whatever they're now starting to see that you know there's a lot of value of in a pt um and then at the flip side the pts are looking at it and saying probably don't need these big gyms anymore in order to earn yeah. a living well yeah i mean i've moved home now for training i don't work out of a gym anymore i was working in a 
Uh, last time I was out, it was brilliant. Like, you know, do that kind of, you can't, Newcastle's quite cool. It's got loads of really cool warehouse gyms where people have just gone to an industrial estate and kitted it out. And it was fantastic. It was really good. But then I just kind of, I had all this home gym equipment, uh, you know, at home. And, you know, I've got a couple more kids on the way. So I was just like, right, I'm staying here with them. Um, it's just it's been great Not ever since. That. I think. Three, four hundred quid yeah. a month overhead. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a big thing. I mean, like, I mean, with the say four hundred quid, I was saying, I think it was good, good value for what the gym offered. It was great, you know. I kind of, I would say, happy to pay, but you know, I said that that's what I needed to pay. That was totally fine. But you know, when you can work from home, and I think people are now shifting towards that working in a small space um, is fine. You don't have to be in a commercial gym per se. Then, yeah, I'm. I definitely think that's a, you're onto something there with the with the big moving. I think yeah, my other gym that I sometimes go to for some other stuff is a JD gym over in um, just a couple of miles away. But yeah, if we're talking overheads, that gym is only just opened in January. It's a Leco everything and some really high spec stuff. I mean, just walking around the gym, like you can tell they've invested some cash into there. And I'm like, how is this? Because what they how is it going to stay open? Because they they pause everyone's memberships immediately. Mm. It's like God. I hope it stays because it's a good gym just to have to go to occasionally. But I just I think with I those, where are we go. In the big, big, big businesses, big, uh, big, big businesses, they've all got insurances that will cover X, Y, Z. But I think some of the big players, we've already seen DW went into liquidation. I think they've been bought out by someone. Um, is it, right. is it yeah, Mike? Well, Mike Ashley was trying to buy them when I was working it. Sports Direct Fitness yeah. back in what would have been 2012, and basically the deal got all the way through to the end. Like literally, they were about to sign contracts, and then something was said in the meeting, and it all went to shit. And oh, now, yeah. however many years later, he's bought it for pence on the pounds because they've gone into liquidation, which is what he loves to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, like anybody who's trained in a Sports Direct gym, they are awful places to work. They just they turn the gyms into the shops basically. The all the staff are given like sales targets, so they have to be selling trainers and selling resistance bands. And all the PTs are just like, oh, um, I got an absolute rollicking because I recommended somebody a protein powder that wasn't Sports Direct's like crappy <laughs> Lonsdale whatever protein powder. <laughs> I got an absolute rollicking from the general manager, and I was like, hang on a second, like. I pay rent to be here. I am a customer. Like, I'm not selling your shit products because they won't get a result from it. And apparently that wasn't the right answer. So I left shortly after that. Um, but yes, I think it's, it's, I think in Europe, especially, there is a lot more of these like little micro, almost like personal training studios where yeah. people don't mind paying that little bit more, all the members that are there are getting one-to-one coaching. So then the trainers then are, don't mind just leaving them to their own devices because they're coming to them once a week. And then the other two sessions, they're doing the programs that are kind of written for them. And as you said, like as trainers, like we know like what bits of kit are like essential to get results and what are just like nice to have. So we don't need massive amounts of space to be able to still kind of get results. Like if people can get results in garage gyms, they can get results in a, a thousand square foot space with just the bits of equipment that you need. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I, going back to sort of my business ethos and sort of mentality is as PTs, you're there to, you know, your, your product 
is somebody's improved physique. And I feel like you can just do that when it's more on a much more personal level and you've just got much more time. There's no more, there's no distractions. There's no one kind of to look at or wander around. Like when they're there in that micro gym, that's 100% focus then on both the client and the PT. I just don't think you get that out in a, in a, in a bigger environment really. It's hard. To be fair. It's very hard then to manage. Also just again going, and, but also the, the PTs, you know, sports director isn't the only one that's going to be commission based on how many clients have you got? How much, you know, how quickly can you churn into a new client? What, you know, I did have a really good conversation with uh, one of our PTs that we use and it was kind of along the lines of, I only want to be working with someone for about 30 weeks. And it was, you know, just to get them. And he, he's a, he's a strength um, coach. So more focused around sort of the bigger moves, et cetera. And it was, you know, for me, 30 weeks is the right amount of time to be working with somebody, uh, you know, once a week or, you know, 15 weeks, twice a week, et cetera. But as that education piece to get them across the line, like if you're, you know, what are the reasons why you have a personal trainer? Is it that you lack motivation and you need someone just to kick you up the ass, et cetera? Is it that you're a bit lonely? So, you know, you, you don't, you know, you want somebody friends to friends. talk to you while you train. Yeah. Is it that, um, or you don't know anything. And when I, I never went to the gym until I was about 30, 31 years old. Um, even though I kind of all this, you know, home gym equipment that I've been doing for years, etc. Um, I always used to sort of lay like nature's my gym. I used to play a lot of football, um, go for runs, you know, pull ups on a tree or something like that. And, and so I never went to a gym. So by the time I get to the gym when I'm 30, 31 years old, I needed a PT because I like, but you know, I'm quite good at learning. So again, you know, in this conversation with the PT, it was just around, you know, here's let me teach you what you, you need to be taught in order to i've got the motivation to then go and do it and then from there you know then train with a couple of mates and you just motivate and push each other that way hmm. yeah there you go i uh, just just looking at your website here mate um your adjustable dumbbells um basically how i think I don't know where I was mentioning something. We were talking about pat. Uh, it was an interesting comment. I think it was we were talking about patterns or something with the men's yeah. health dumbbells. And I think you're like, ah, I've actually got some insight into the uh, sort of adjustable. Is it the Bowflex dumbbells? I think. But yeah. Like it looks like quite um you know a nice product that's coming out at the right time. I mean, how did how did that come about? I guess they're selling like hotcakes, and then you know what's the what's the crack with patents and because there's a few yeah. adjustable dumbbells popping up at the moment. You know, there's there's, there's yeah. a few out there. It's the there's nothing I can do, but it's a really irritating factor for those that have got relatively sort of strong, good business ethics, etc. Um, basically, that Bowflex, Bowflex had the patent for that, and and they protected it globally. So, in theory, no one in China can manufacture it, and then no one can sell it. So, if you if you block it at both ends, so say for example, they only had the patent in the US, you could manufacture it in China, and then you could sell it in the UK. Say if they had the patent in the US and China, you might be able to manufacture it, say, in Taiwan and sell it in the UK and you'd be fine. But where they've got like an EN patent, a US patent and a China patent, in theory, no one should be able to make that product. I believe the patent on that expires in 2023, but all of the factories are just ripping off the patent and, and selling it to anybody who will buy it. Um, and again, you don't know where you're buying it from. It was like a wish.com sort of scenario. Wish. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so they, they are infringing that patent. Um, there's a couple of patents which clear it. So um, our patent is the one that 
I've worked with that factory for a while. Steve from Primal knows who they are as well. Um, and they don't have any issues selling their product. It's their own design. It works in a different way. So as you press a button and you turn the dial and it changes both ends of the weights and both flex ones, you have to turn one end and then turn the other one to match. So if you wanted 20, you've got to turn both ends versus as you press one button, twist it and where you go. I'm just looking at that. It looks good. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, I think newer bells a new one, which I quite like. So you oh, twist, you press a button, you twist the handle and it pushes the handle in the weights and then locks and secures and away you go. So, you know, there are other options out there, but all of the ones which you're seeing, which look like the Bowflex ones, you know, those companies run the risk. If they get caught at customs, then China customs won't let that container ship and the factory will do a runner with their money. Um, on the flip side, Bowflex will just send them a nasty letter uh, asking for all of the profit that they made or, you know, take them to court, et cetera. Again, risk. So um, we're, we're, we're pretty clean. We supply, um, uh, sports direct with their everlast version as well um we used to supply argos with the the, the, the men's health version but they've now got the Boflexi type ones i don't know how they managed to do that um but it was after my period there um but then everybody else who is selling those and and the thing is that they're so cheap they honestly are really really cheap versus the premium that us have to pay who are taking the ones which have got the correct patents and are not infringing anybody else's patents. Um, we have to pay that premium. Yeah, no, no. I think just, I just, I love this kind of stuff because you know, obviously, we're in our home gym group, but it's, it's been great to have, uh, say, someone like yourself and you know, some of the other guys that, that manufacture equipment, whether it's in the UK or imports from China. Um, just to get an insight on how you all guys go about it, because I think a lot of people seem to think. Uh, which is, I guess, sometimes true. There's a lot of cowboys, you know, you talk about being the Wild West sometimes, you know, getting random bits in, doing a runner and stuff. But, you know, there are, you know, decent yeah. people out there as well who are, you know, looking to supply a great product at a great price. So it's, it's been... Yeah, really so I, I, I see at the minute a lot of people... So from the back of the first lockdown, you can almost start to see where they went, oh, do you know what? This is probably a good idea to import a container of weights. And now they, about a month ago that's when all of that stock would have started to come in. Yeah. So, you know, they would have had to have wait for their four month lead time or whatever the manufacturing lead time is for their, for, for them. Uh, and then it shipped here and then their, their supply chain isn't going to be as efficient as the bigger businesses. So, you know, us getting it through cleared, et cetera, getting it here. And then you see it and it's just like, a, like, you know, they're taking pictures in their house or whatever. And the box has got Chinese written all over it. You know, they haven't even gone to that step to, to kind of put the right branding on there. And it's single. Box. I, love some, I love some of the spelling. I think Blet Squat's one of the ones that's come up on a few things. <laughs> yeah. Love it. yeah. <laughs> so all of the, all of that sort of stuff where, you know, it's just not polished. It's just not quite finished. I suppose you could say, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, some of these businesses might like, it. I, I suppose what, like the bigger businesses has got if, if we we have cash flow if that makes sense so for example i buy a container it, let, let, when you first start okay and let's just say a container of hex dumbbells right you buy that container for let's just say i don't know um uh, let's just say a hundred thousand dollars over a couple of a couple of products if you put all of your savings into that one container what do you do so it arrives and you sell it and then you then what at that point do you place the second order yeah. and then if you place that second order you've got to wait four or five months again then it comes in so you know if you sell something for 100 and you make 120 right then 
that's not you've got to do that multiple times before you can start to say right i'm going to put one order down here and then i'm going to have another order arrive the next month and another order arrive the next month and and that's the that's the real supply chain issue that we're finding as suppliers so back in the old days it would be a 30-day lead time and how i would pay for it would be once the product's shipped i would pay a hundred percent of the balance to the factory i wouldn't have to pay what's called a deposit um now I, in order to secure a, the, the raw material and in order to secure that slot in the manufacturing timeline, I have to pay 30% of the PO value up front. Okay. Now, if I'm laying, say, four or five orders for hex dumbbells to come in, that's then 150% of the PO value would need to be laid in deposits in order before the first ones even arrived because I'm placing orders to sort of a lead time so that they make sure that they come in one month after the other. And I think that's the advantage that we have is that, you know, we've got the cash flow in and spinning within the businesses already that we can do that versus the pop-ups, which have appeared out of, you know, over the recent months that are just taking a chance on uh, one container, maybe making, you know, five, 10,000 pounds, and then maybe going again, or maybe saying, do you know what? I'm happy with that. And um, I'm going to exit now. Mm. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. So, oh, cats trying to, oh, <laughs> cats and dogs does. taking over. So, I believe um, you've got a young one. How old is your baby, and how do you find the working from home, childcare, life balance? Like, <laughs> I think all of us have got kids. Well, uh, Dan's got twins on the way. My little one's two and a half. Um, yeah, so I think all of us are trying to kind of balance that line between work, childcare, actually spending time with the family while we're Speaking of which, I got a rush. Speaking of which, I got a rush out to do the school run in about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, little else who was born on the twenty twenty fourth of February. Oh, um, yeah. So real sort of lockdown. You know, just prior to lockdown, really. To be fair, um, uh, and we're absolutely blessed from six weeks old she slept through from sort of eight till eight i actually hate um, you right now <laughs> two and a half and she still doesn't sleep through the night so yeah, the same. I enjoyed um, me every night. yeah and, and honestly See, this is what happens with the, is she your sorry is she your firstborn yeah yeah so this is what happens with nature they give you a good one first to trick you into having another and then the next one is a she devil <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't think uh, that's going to be on our agenda. I think we just call it quits with the winning. Um, yeah, she, she's only woken up before six o'clock five times, if that. Like, oh yeah. got the energy to run this business, man. Jeez. And, and that's what we say. If, if she was up const, like constantly, yeah. I just wouldn't have had the energy. So you know, we run really lean. Um, we've got a couple of people that work in the warehouse. In fact, they didn't like I employed the first person in about August in order to help me pick and pack the, the warehouse. Um, and then we've now moved on to sort of the second and the third. Um, I've got another person that helps with sort of ordering the stock and keeping that running. So, you know, it's a real sort of startup um, mentality. We just had to adapt, but even sort of during the first lockdown, we had enough, you know, I had enough capacity to be able to, to do everything and, and, and really sort of enjoy doing it all as well. I loved kind of just, being really super hands-on. Uh, in fact, I was down the warehouse earlier today, um, just helping the guys because obviously, you know, with the second lockdown, 
they're, they're absolutely... You've got to tell me, what was it like on that first, probably first and second log- lockdown of refreshing your browser or your website and just going, what? what? There must have just yeah. been that, like, jaw-hitting-the-floor moment. Yeah, I mean, you can... Con- like, a thousand pounds in a day was the most we'd ever done, right? And Amazon came first. So Amazon came first because no one really... Even in sort of March, no one really knew about musclesquad.com. Mm-hmm. So Amazon, um, where we sell sort of through, through the marketplace there... I think we did sort of seven grand in, in a day and we were just like completely blown away. We we're like, what yeah. on earth is this? Uh, yeah. But that wiped us out of everything. But luckily we had stock which was coming in. Um, and instead of then putting it back onto Amazon because they take a real large commission. In fact, yeah. that's a very quick piece of advice that I'll give to anybody is if you see something on Amazon, just try and Google the brand name or Google the, the business and see if they sell it on their own .com website. Because even if it's not the same, even if the price is the same, it, but it may be cheaper, you're putting an extra 15% into that small little independent business rather than giving oh, it to you. Yeah. So like that's something that I'd always recommend just doing just quickly. Um, and then, so when the next batch of stock was coming in, instead of putting it on Amazon, we, we went for musclesquad.com and we started to sort of, you know, infiltrate community and, and get it out there. Um, and there's a couple of people, you know, that I speak to in the forum and some of the comments that they sort of say is, you know, you're single handedly keeping the resellers honest because they just couldn't, you know, people would be, we, people couldn't sell stuff for a stupidly high price in the first lockdown because they could buy it from us brand new. And then people would say, just buy it from musclesquad.com. Just buy it from musclesquad.com. And they're the sort of, you know, and that's how, how it kind of started. And, and again, I think the biggest sort of day that we had on that.com website was like, you know, 10 K or something like that. When we had a, a container of those vinyl barbells and dumbbells turn up. So yeah, that yeah, was just, I think, I think the thing which we're trying to say is it's 10 K in weights, which are, you know, which are, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know if entry level is the right word, but you know, the kind of, you know, just you know, more hobbyist sort of weights. They're not your big expensive calibrated stuff. And to do 10 K in just kind of vinyl weights, is, it's a bit mind blowing. really. Yeah. yeah. So, so and the way that we kind of look at it is everybody has to start somewhere. Yeah. And that, so one of those customers that, you know, we've seen, we can see sort of how customers order and, and, and how, um, and they might move from vinyl to then cast or to steel. And then, you know, three or four months later, they come back and they're buying an Olympic bar with Olympic weight plates. And, and but it all starts from somewhere and it starts yeah. from that initial product. Yeah, definitely. I've already got, um, I'll keep an eye on the website because I've got a few clients who working at home that I'm trading with uh, sort of online and over Zoom. Whereas I, I would I would actually argue against them not to buy the big expensive weights. I think go and get these ones and, you know, get to yeah. use them for a couple of years. You know, I think if I went home to my parents' house, they would still have the you know, the Argos or York Sandfield with dumbbells in a spare bedroom somewhere. So, you know, they last if you look after them. So yeah. guys, I've, I've got a shoot. Sorry, I really need to run out of here. But it's um, really pleasure speaking to you, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. That's all right. No problem. And, uh, no, I'll leave you, to you. Um, you guys take care and then I will try over the DMs. But thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, the last bit is like, what's the future holding? So where, what do you, what are your plans with, the business and the brand now like well where do you see this going in like five ten years time do you want to be up there with kind of the big brands are you going to try and stay as like a middleman player or kind of what what's what's your vision so we're never going to walk away from the fact that we want to be a community-based brand that's that's what we that's what we do so we will grow as fast as we can carry on 
coming up with the infrastructure to be able to engage with the customers in the way that we do. And we've got a couple of ways in which we're looking at doing that, um, you know, either through apps and stuff like that. And, and I'm hoping to release an app in January, which helps build that community sphere and helps motivate people to train. Um, it's got a bit of Strava, a bit of OnlyFans in it. It's got like lots of different sort of aspects that are kind of being built into it. And, and that's taken up a lot of my time at the minute in order to kind of make sure, again, I go back to the ethos. We don't want to just move a box. We want to help customer transform their, their physique or what they're trying to achieve. Um, so that's the kind of first thing. But, you know, we're now getting lots of interest, to be fair. So people are looking at our business and saying, there's the grassroots of something really good here. Um, so it's about if, if for example, like if all, all I'm going to be is moving boxes and just selling dumbbells and weights, etc., then I'm quite happy just to kind of keep it running as my hobby business that will generate a, a good income for the family. Um, but if I can find a way in which I can accelerate the whole community space of, and growth, etc. Um, and you know, that might require some sort of external help and, and, and bits and pieces, then, then I want to grow beyond where other businesses in the UK are sort of operating at. Um, so it can kind of go one or two ways, but what I don't want to be is just, you know, I, I want to keep it at a level where I'm super interested, learning and engaged. Um, and, and I, I don't want that sort of middle ground because there's just too much competition, um, at some of those points. Yeah. So I think that's interesting to hear that it's not just right. I want to grow this as big as I can to then sell it and just go sit on a beach and drink cocktails. It's more about your growth as a person. As you said, you wanting to learn, wanting to be engaged with the process. And it's, it's not about the money at the end of the day. The money's nice when you provide a service that, is good quality, the money will always come. And that's the same whether you're in a service business, whether you're in a product business, like, and it sounds like the foundations of your business mean that it is going to go from strength to strength and that it, it's going to progress into something bigger. Whether you're saying you wanted to build this community aspect and your main focus being clients and customers transforming their physique is yeah. definitely going to evolve into something else. I can tell you that without knowing anything about what deals and stuff are going to, going to be coming kind of in the future. And that's going to be very, very interesting as not only like a, a trainer to watch, but well, I, I definitely am going to be following your brand and seeing kind of how it grows now over the next few years. Yeah, really I, think, today. I think a real interesting way to look at it is you've got Gymshark doing what they do within the clothing space you've got my protein doing what they do within the nutrition space who is necessarily operating at that sphere within the equipment space and you've probably got a little bit of rogue but i would say kind of a lot of rogue is unobtainable to the mass home gym user yeah. rogue is crossfit powerlifting high level athletes not your average joe that's just wanting to look and feel better about themselves. Like, as you said, it's people look at that on Instagram. That's unattainable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even to the extent of like, you know, the, the models that we try to use, et cetera, have that more like 
attainable physique that with a couple of years hard graph and work you could achieve um and i think that kind of you know that hopefully kind of comes through oh sorry i'm just trying to see if um i can pull up some of the questions um from the community my phone just decided so we've got one question and it's like, will you be stocking hex dumbbells 42 to 50 kg in the near future? Yes, we will, but probably okay. depends what the definition of near future is. I think we're going to try and get them here for uh, around February time. Okay. I think that's a fair enough answer. Um, so yeah. unless there's... We're also, we're also going to be doing round rubber, round rubber dumbbells up to 50 kg too so they'll, they'll kind of go all the way through um, and then from an equipment side of things we're looking at a uh, a cable cross trainer as well so a big sort of home gym piece of equipment uh, smith machine cables everything you know 75 kg weight plates uh, weight is um uh machine but again because it's the muscle squad way what we're doing is we're looking at how do we make sure that we deliver it to the customer in a way that it's delivered and then assembled in their house on the same day? Right. Because I don't know if you've ever looked at one of those pieces of equipment in the gym, um, but I've done you know a lot of research in terms of uh, all of the different specifications that you can get, all of the different um, manufacturers which currently make them. Uh, to an untrained people, it could take maybe about eight hours to assemble. Yeah, so I've got a Marcy multi-gym system. That's not even with the plates on the inside. That took me about six to eight hours yeah. to assemble on my own as well because you don't always have, like, I had to get my missus in for the last few bits where you're just trying to struggle bits together. And if you've tightened everything, you've then got to un go and untighten all the bolts so everything kind of, like, fits together. As you said, if you've not put one of those together before, which the average person probably isn't going to put together multiple multi-gyms over their lifespan they're probably going to buy it once maybe twice if they get an upgrade yeah exactly so i think just being able to offer that sort of end-to-end -end service we'll give the option for customers to buy it and try to assemble it themselves but i mean it's just such a high chance that it will go wrong that it's probably best just to sort of say the price that you see you know and, and this is on the website as well we the price you see is the price you pay there's no hidden shipping costs if even if it's if the order's under 50 pounds it's five pounds but yeah. you know, people compete with us on price on hex dumbbells and you go through to the, the checkout and it's 30 pound delivery. I, I, it's a real cheap way in, in order to hide some of that value versus us. The price you see is what you pay. Um, and it kind of flows all the way through. And that's what we'll do with these bigger pieces of equipment as well. Um, and then we're also looking at, uh, well, we've got coming in folding squat racks. So ones which kind of fold flat against the wall, but come out in, a, in, a, in, a, in the proper uh, sort of four by four size. And then also a freestanding version with a cable attachment as well, I think will be really popular. Um, yeah. As I, you know, I am a home gym user. My garage is 2.4 meters wide. Um, so, you know, the squat rack that I have got has to go broadside. Um, but even then, you know, if I flex from doing a bench press to wanting to do uh, a, like, I use the adjustable dumbbells for incline, uh, incline dumbbell press, I've got to flip the bench rack the other way hope that the missus hasn't put the punch bag up that you know that needs to come down so i think having a squat rack which can nicely fold away just gives the home gym user a much more space yeah 
100%. And I think, as you said, because you're a home gym user, you'll be thinking about the issues that we have. So like for myself, I'm probably going to have to buy a second bench because as I said, I've got that multi-gym system and then I've got a squat rack as well because with the multi-gym, I probably will sell that multi-gym eventually. I just can't, I just, because I'm a, a bodybuilder, I need to be able to hit things from the different angles and I can't quite fit a cable crossover in there at the moment. If you've seen any of the pictures of my gym, it's literally as packed as it can kind of get. Um, but like if I'm wanting to do like a bench in the Smith machine and then going to do um, something in the squat rack with the bench, then it's, it's moving around. It's got the leg extension bit on the end. So yeah. then I'm knocking that on the wall as I'm moving up. And it's just, as you said, it's, if somebody doesn't use a home gym themselves, they won't think about these little things that are just, it, it doesn't stop me from enjoying the gym. It doesn't stop me from training. It's just annoying. Yeah. Even sort of, you know, everyone wants the, the latest and greatest sort of uh, flat incline decline bench, which is commercial grade. Weighs 36, 38 kilos. Like even yeah. just spinning that around, you're going to pull your back in. <laughs> yeah. So you know, lightweight, but strong benches are probably, again, something that we're looking at. We, we do run sort of one, bench it weighs sort of 14 kilos uh we sell it at 75 pounds again you know we haven't increased the price on that from day dot um but it's super popular mass it's like it's a mass produced bench that you know customers just absolutely lap it up for the price point etc you can just yeah. fold it away it sounds like i am going to be investing quite a lot in muscle squad stuff <laughs> it it. to be honest before um dan had mentioned you were coming on the podcast i hadn't heard of muscle squad before um, but I'm definitely going to be going and having a look at the website now and hiding some of these orders from the missus just because it's like Christmas is coming. I'm going to be spending money on Christmas presents, yeah. not new gym equipment. But luckily, I work from home, so I'm the one that's here when the deliveries get here. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think that's probably going to be a really good place to wrap it up. So anybody who wants to learn more kind of about the brand, like where can they find you on Facebook, Instagram, and then as you said, you've got your website as well. Yeah, we're, we're actually, we're just running a competition on Instagram at the minute. Uh, it's, we've never done one before. Um, tag your friends, etc., And in the chance to win one of our adjustable dumbbell uh, benches with two adjustable dumbbells as well. Um, so that's so, what's yeah, just your... uh, What's your tag on Instagram? Is it just Muscle Squad? Uh, Muscle Squad UK. Muscle Squad UK. Perfect. And is that the same on Facebook as well? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, to find uh, Muscle Squad, it's Muscle Squad UK on Instagram and Facebook. And then is it musclesquad.com or .co.uk? .com. .com. Perfect. Nice and simple. So it's been great to have you on, Chris. Um, I think we've, we've timed these gym, the uh, equipment manufacturing is coming onto the podcast perfectly soon as lockdown was just announced on, well, when this goes out, it will be the first Thursday that lockdown's on. So great timing for that. So um, yeah, it's been great to speak to you today and clear up some of those common misconceptions that come from uh, people buying home gym equipment and yeah. uh, have a great rest of your day, buddy. Yes, thanks very much. Catch you later. No Bye for now.